Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Florida Congressman Mike Waltz is a member of the China Task Force that was set up under Republican leader Kevin McCarthy. The team is tasked with countering China's malign influence throughout the world. One of those issues comes in the way of technology, specifically computer chips. We asked the congressman about the recent CHIPS Act that has just been advanced by the Senate. Congressman Mike Waltz, thank you. Yeah, sure, good to be with you. Congressman, I just want to ask you, the uh, Senate has just advanced the CHIPS Act. I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think it's, uh, it's absolutely critical that the United States retain a leadership role in semiconductors. Um, that is, you know, th there's a lot of consternation, um, and understandably from free market, free marketeers, uh, from some conservatives and others, really across the, the spectrum on picking winners and losers, so to speak, or picking industries to invest in. But I think one thing to understand is that without semiconductors, without computer chips, we've seen with a lot of the most recent supply shortages, that pulls the rug out uh, from under our entire economy. You couple that with the Chinese Communist Party's concerted effort unfair playing uh, uh, or unfair trade practices, huge investments into dominating that market at the expense of the United States. Uh, I think this is something we have to take a very hard look at. Um, that said, it has to have appropriate guardrails. We can't pour billions of taxpayer dollars into bringing that industry back into the United States of having the U.S. to be a lead and then just watch the intellectual property get stolen uh, or get siphoned right back over to Beijing, uh, which they are very aggressively doing across all kinds of technology sectors. So we'll see the actual language that comes over. Um, br broadly, I'm supportive of the effort, uh, but those appropriate guardrails need to be in place. Congressman, if I could just ask you, military readiness is, of course, a very important thing when it comes to preparing sure. and dealing with the CCP. Yeah. But when it comes to uh, the Chinese Communist Party's uh, ideology and subversion and infiltration in the West, mm. how can uh, the United States government uh, take action on that? Well, look, I mean, I think, one, we need a, a much broader awareness across all elements of our society. This isn't just a whole-of-a-government struggle. It's not just a military struggle. Uh, this is a struggle of, of free market democracies versus authoritarianism. Uh, and I am incredibly concerned that too many elements of American society have frankly become drunk on Chinese dollars. That's Wall Street, Hollywood, the sports industry, the NBA, academia, I mean, right on down the list. Uh, and, and they need to wake up to the fact that uh, the Chinese Communist Party, not the amazing and wonderful Chinese people, the Chinese Communist Party are not our friends. They seek to supplant the United States as a global leader. They seek to replace the American dream with the China dream in the CCP's own words. Uh, and they are using the op openness of our society against us. Uh, and so I will continue to, to, to bang that drum to raise awareness. Fortunately, uh, after COVID, we're seeing a lot of Americans realize that seemingly cheap things like masks or gowns or gloves, uh, if you have an adversary threatening to turn them off, if you have an adversary that's created dependency deliberately in things like antibiotics or cancer meds uh, or rare earth minerals, and they're threatening to choke those off from our economy if we don't agree with them, uh, I think the American people are getting the wake-up call. But my message has been, you know, when you see Made in China, put it down. 
Uh, made in America is not just a jobs issue, it's a national security issue. Congressman Mike Waltz, thank you. All right, thank you. Thursday night, hundreds of candle flames dotted the National Mall in front of the Washington Monument. Over a thousand Falun Gong practitioners participated in a candlelight vigil in memory of those killed by the Chinese Communist regime for their faith. July 20th marked 23 years since the Communist Party launched its nationwide persecution of Falun Gong. Falun Gong, also called Falun Dafa, is a spiritual practice that originated in China. According to the Falun Dafa Information Center's website, the practice combines gentle exercise, meditation, and a moral philosophy based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. The website also says there were 100 million people practicing in China by the late 1990s. And in 1999, then-Communist Party leader Jiang Zemin ordered the eradication of Falun Gong. The persecution continues today. Millions of practitioners have been detained in jails, subjected to torture, slave labor, and forced live organ harvesting. 70 to 100 million people. That was the number of ordinary citizens the CCP estimated were practicing the spiritual discipline called Falun Dafa, just prior to launching the persecution against the group 23 years ago. With our extended coverage of one of the world's most egregious persecution campaigns, Yesterday, we spoke to the president of the Victims of Communism Memorial Fund, former ambassador to the UN in Geneva, Andrew Bremberg. Ambassador Andrew Bremberg, president of the Victims of Communism, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Ambassador, could you tell us, uh, when it comes to the CCP and their crimes against humanity, what do you think it's going to take to open up the eyes of the rest of the world as to what they're doing? That's a critical question. What is it going to take? I mean, the evidence that continues to mount almost daily of the tremendous human rights violations the Chinese Communist Party uh, are committing every day should be more than enough to awaken the conscience of countries and people around the world uh, that believe in freedom and human rights. And sadly, it obviously hasn't been. From my time as ambassador to the UN, uh, we saw the the unwillingness of both UN officials and different uh, uh, foreign governments to speak out about the terrible human rights abuses taking place. Um, And then since I've left and I've been here at the Victims of Communism Foundation, we continue to see, unfortunately, real weakness, and I would say moral weakness, on behalf of so many public leaders who have refused to speak out about these horrible human rights violations. Unfortunately, as as you know, just recently, we, we saw this horrific trip by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, the first trip of, of that from that position to China since 2005, where she not only didn't speak to the truth about what's happening in, in China, but it sometimes even repeated, you know, Communist Party propaganda, praising their human rights record, which is really uh, disappointing and shocking to see. So it's going to, unfortunately, I fear it's going to take a lot and a lot of real response from the public here in America and countries around the world to demand that their leaders speak out and take action. Ambassador, July 20th is a dark day in modern uh, Chinese history, uh, 23 years since they launched this brutal down against Falun Gong practitioners. What brings you out here and what's typically and is living up to its uh, reputation the hottest day in Washington, D.C. in a suit? Well, it, it certainly is a hot day here, but, but, but a beautiful one. And it's so important and great to see so many people gathered here today, as you said, to commemorate this 23rd anniversary of the beginnings of this brutal persecution of the Falun Gong in China.
And I think what's important for all of us here, in the, particularly in the United States, to know and recognize is that you know this type of evil, the evil of communism, both historically around the world and today in China, you know, goes after everyone, regardless of your religious belief or what what type of uh, philosophical background you have. If you don't agree and succumb to the regime's communist ideology, you're an enemy, you're a danger, and they have to come after you. And that's why we've seen throughout the history of the uh, 20th century, communism in Europe, communism in China, individuals of religious faith must, under their regime, must be kind of persecuted and pressed against because that philosophy, that the religious view, is an alternative source of how people think that's not controlled by the regime. And that can't be allowed. And I would just add, it's not just even religion. You see it with art. Artists, you know, living under communism, you know, whenever they are presenting their own art, if it is not in line with the regime ideology, that has to be repressed. You know, we, we saw just last year, and again, we just celebrated the one-year anniversary of these incredible protests in Cuba that were launched by, um, by artists. These are not political actors. They had no political interests, but they're just artists presenting their own views of the world through art. And because it didn't align with the communist regime's mentality, they've been crushed. And of course, we've seen the same thing happen in China today. Andrew Bremberg, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.